This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Four minutes past 12 o'clock on this rather lovely Thursday afternoon in Johannesburg, South Africa. Welcome to it. This is the DL Link Show. We connect you on the show through insights, information and illumination on 101.9 High FM. If this is the first time you've tuned in, welcome. It's great to have you listening to this show. And if you haven't heard of the DL Link, well, the DL Link is just an incredible organization that operates mainly in Johannesburg. And they, it was started all the way back in 2010. Uh, Michelle Goodman and uh, Jackie Artsilla had this idea of putting together uh, uh, or providing rather a, a very safe nurture space um, and a space for patients who are faced with cancer, not just the patients, but their families as well, a place where they can go to for support. And the most wonderful support they get, it's emotional support. They um, help people with um, transport and food and all those soft support, which makes all the difference when you're battling something like cancer and it's all consuming. Um, and so they just fill this very, very special um, huge space um, that is so um, sorely needed when a family um, and the, and a patient um, are going along this journey. So every week we try and bring you um, warriors and um, experts and different ideas and uh, we just hope that we keep you um, tuned in and really just connected to the great work that the DL Link is doing. So let's have a look at what you have to look forward to today. I was very lucky to, a couple of weeks ago, um, have an opportunity to chat with a wonderful lady by the name of Bronya Schaeffer. Now, Bronya was here in South Africa for a short period of time. She's an international speaker. She is a counselor. She does a lot for Chabad.org. And she um, gave, I think it was for the first time she's really spoken publicly about it, a talk on Grief, um, and not just grief, it's grief that dare not speak its name, mourning the living. And um, it was wonderful, wonderful um, being able to interview her. So I have had this pre-record, which I'm going to be playing for you. But we are going to continue with the conversation after the pre-record with Bronya. Um, Leonard Carr, who is a clinical psychologist, will be joining us in the studio. So we're going to continue with this discussion, Grief That Dare Not Speak Its Name, Mourning the Living. And let's really dive into it. Let's let's be open-minded. Let's go into the areas that we don't always want to go into um it's very difficult and and um you know not something we we want to discuss but we want to discuss all of these issues here on the dl link show so i'm hoping you're going to stay with us also just to let you know that the lines will be open when um, leonard is in the studio and we will be taking your calls if you have any questions so um if you want to wait for leonard and you just want to quickly jot down the number you can call us in the studio on 0101403020 again that number is 010 01403020 or you can sms us in the studio um, and the sms number is 34519 once again 34519 um, we're going to take a break then a song and then Bronya Schaffer this is lifelinks with a dl link 
101.9 Chai FM. Welcome to it. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. And uh, I'm Nikki Seberini. We have such an interesting show lined up for you. Um, so I hope that you have just set aside the next hour because starting off um, on the show today, I have someone who's visited from New York. In fact, she very recently gave a talk um, all about the grief that dare not speak its name, mourning the living. And that is Mrs. Bronya Schaffer, who visited us from New York. And I, we were lucky enough to grab her and pull her into the studio and get her insights. And so often when we talk about um, this part of the show, it always becomes such a difficult discussion, but it's something that we we try and talk about. And we try and we, we talk about cancer and we talk about treatment and we have incredible warriors and such inspiring warriors who every single week come onto the show and they share their stories. Um, and there are cases when we have to go beyond the treatment when um, doctors are talking about palliative care. We had hospice on the show just a few weeks ago, and it's uh, coming to terms with the next step. Um, and how do the warriors come to terms with it? How do family members come to terms with it? How do friends come to terms with it? Well, that's, as I said, why we are so delighted um, to have Bronya in the studio, um, because she has recently given this talk, which is not an easy discussion to have. So, Bronya, welcome. Um, lovely to have you on the show, and thank you so Thank much you for very joining much. us. Thank you for inviting me. So, Bronya, the grief that dare not speak its name, mourning the living, is a heavy, heavy topic. It is. Should it be such a heavy topic? Hmm. I guess when it comes to feelings, there really aren't shoulds. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons I was happy to embark on this, I have to say that this was at my daughter's urging when she asked me. I was um, one of her lectures at the Pesach retreat, um, Batya and Ari Kivman, who I'm proud to say are my children. <laughs> and uh, she broached it. She said, Imo, would you talk about um, anticipatory grief? And my initial reaction was, well, no, I haven't talked about that before. It's not something I'm familiar with or comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And then as I thought about it more, I thought, well, a little bit familiar. Uh, comfortable? Well, comfort doesn't come into it when it's something that's important. Mm -hmm. And I recognize as well that there's grief and mourning that we all experience. At some point in our life, every single one of us has gone through it. Every single one of us has been touched. Um, Last night at the the, uh, talk, as a matter of fact, I pointed out since there were no children in the room, it was safe to assume that by the time everybody's reached a certain stage in adulthood, we've all been touched somehow, if not our own, by someone else's oh, absolutely. Um, grief and mourning. Because it's uh, a part been, of life. It's, it's a part of life. Absolutely. We've been to Shiva calls. Sure. And what we recognize also is that there are good Shivas, and they're not so good Shivas. When somebody's sitting Shiva for a parent who's lived a good life and died, you know, not in pain and not suffering at the age of a hundred, mm-hmm. um, that Shiva home is more a celebration of someone's life than this sense of terrible sadness and despondency and how could it happen? And then there are the other Shiva homes, the ones where, oh my God, how could anybody ever deal with this? Mm-hmm. So 
Mm. So we've done, we, we're, we're all familiar with that. And we talk about it. What we don't yet really have vocabulary for, because we haven't talked enough about it, is what happens the moment you get a diagnosis of a terminal illness. And that shock, that disbelief, that bargaining, I'll daven harder, mm. I'll do more mitzvahs, I'll mm. give charity, I'll mm. maybe it'll revert the bargaining. Basically, we, we sort of go through those stages of grief as well. But there's no talking about it um, for a lot of reasons. But then there's another kind of grief, and this is the one that's really silent. And that's the one that, in its kindest sense, is when we watch our parents, the elderly, moving into older and older age and slowly becoming less and less of the person we knew mm. and loved so much. Mm. So that's the kindest one. Because it's also, as you say, Mickey, part of life. It's part of the cycle of life. Right. But then there are situations where there's a diagnosis of dementia for someone who's relatively young. Um, and that, I think, that, that was what really grabbed me more when I thought about the silent grief. Because when you're sitting Shiva for someone, there was a then and now who he was and today he isn't anymore, who she was, but today she's not, because she's not here. Mm -hmm. But where's the vocabulary for someone who loves someone dearly, and that person isn't? There was, there was a then and now, and the now is inexorably mm -hmm. more and more and more, further and further away from the person we married, we bore, we lived with. Um, so, that, so that's that's what I was um, also a little bit more focused on. Oh, wow. The silence of the grief where there's nobody sitting around saying, oh, I knew him and he was wonderful and or she was someone who was always able to and such memories of this person because how do you speak of a person who was when you're preparing that person's dinner? Mm. Um and I think that's the the grief in the morning. It's going through those stages, but there isn't yet the conscious recognition. Um, it's a slow, it's a slow loss. It's that it's, person is just slowly moving away. And yet, and, and I think that there would be some people who would say, and I suppose it's, it's the same with a, a diagnosis of cancer, mm -hmm. is that you have time before wow. dementia really sets yes. in to have conversations yes. to iron out issues and and there are some people who would turn around and say wow i've had i've had this time to really connect to really love this person to forgive this person right. or to ask for forgiveness exactly. or whatever it is i don't exactly. think that it's so i don't think it's easy the, to the find that, no. that so that's the healthiest way we can approach it right there is a there is a good way we can deal with any given situation. Mm -hmm. So indeed, Mickey, coming to that. But that's going to happen when we have more and more and more conversations about that's this. It. When we're talking about mm. it. When we move away from, when we're able to actually say it first to ourselves and then to people around us. So, so Bronya, let, let's look at the, the discussion really just mm -hmm. around death in general. Because mm -hmm. maybe if we had these discussions... 
as a part of our everyday life. Like death was very much a part of life in terms of discussion. It wouldn't be so difficult to have the discussion later on. I mean, mm-hmm. I think of, um, let me think of the, the, the cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. because, of course, the first reaction is to to fight, to yeah. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to, you don't even want to think about death because thinking about death could, God forbid, mean you're giving in or God forbid this could happen or, do you, you know what I'm saying? Yes, so death is almost not? a very why last God option. We're giving mm. in. Mm. Maybe it's not God forget, God forbid I'm giving in. Maybe it's thank you, God, for bringing me to here and now. I make peace with what I have now. Right. So it's not giving in. It's accepting the reality. What is? We're all mortal. That's it. We're all going to die. Mm. That's, um, we, we generally don't think about the fear of death. We don't live in suspense and in fear of death because if we're healthy, at some point, no one thinks that they're not going to die. We just don't think about it. But I think Some the people have a terrible fear of dying. Or it, or to, exactly, mm. exactly. Mm. Um, you know, I'm reminded I, I have a close friend who's um, a nurse practitioner, actually. She's a balasachua for many, many years. And uh, she came to my home once right after visiting a friend of ours who was, who was in the hospital dying. And she said she'd just come from seeing him. And she said that his friends were there all the time, trying to keep his spirits up, trying to keep him happy, telling him, you know, to not to be positive and to be hopeful. And and she said, being a medical professional, she said it was hard for her to hear that because he was dying. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so- and she said that, like, with everyone in the room, just and there was a constant stream of people, you know, don't give up and we're here for you mm-hmm. and things are going to be okay and mm-hmm. think positive, yes. like all of that. And she said, finally, everybody left, and she was in the room with him, and he turned to her and said, Rachi, I'm scared. And she told me, she said to him, what are you scared of? If there's a miracle, if God does make a miracle, and you stand up and get, you get out of this bed and stand up and walk out of here, well, where's the fear? She said, and if not, well, we know what comes next. This is what brought us back to Torah, mm-hmm. living a Jewish life, mm-hmm. because of everything we believe in. And and she said when she acknowledged that, we know what comes next. Sub- so this she told me sitting at my kitchen table. And Very she was powerful. A bit, it was, sure. this was years ago. I've, I feel can it. still feel that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. But I remember hearing afterwards from, again, mutual friends that something about him changed in those last few days. He died shortly thereafter. And I think that what she gave him was the reality and the permission to say, yep, that's it. This is, there isn't, you know, keep your spirits up and yes, be hopeful and don't yes, give in and rah, rah, rah. Yes. No, he was able to say, my soul is ready to meet its An maker. Acceptance. And that's, yes. but that's, that's the, that is our philosophy mm. as Jews, mm. and yet somehow we get carried away with, mm. oh my God, no, 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 never, never, never. Yeah. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Don't give and in then, and fight. And exactly. I, I, I So remember, there is, to a certain yeah. extent, yes, fighting, because basically using everything we can to ensure that someone has life. There's no greater imperative than to preserve life, to protect life, and to save a life. 
But at some point, we do say, no, this is this is not what our imperative is now. Mm-hmm. And that's where, of course, the discussion of palliative care and hospice. And it's such a discussion. And, you know, sometimes, as you said, the patient just needs the to be given the permission, you can, you you can yeah. go, you know, you you can. We will be okay, and you can let go. And and I I remember um, someone very close to me died of cancer, and I remember thinking to myself, how do I have this discussion with her? Like I almost feel mm. like I need to have the discussion, you know, like. But, but there can where? Happen. There's no where. Where's the space yeah. for it? Because you just want to say, I love you. You're okay. You know, where's the discussion? And and it just made me think about it. it's because we don't discuss it as as part of our everyday life. Mm-hmm. Death is the discussion that happens. It's in the cupboard. It's closed. Mm-hmm. It's locked away. We hide away the key. We don't ever want to have to broach exactly. it. But if it is part of our everyday existence, then, wow, maybe it is easier to accept Thank you so much for joining us. This is uh, the DL Link Show on 101.9 High FM. We're having such an interesting conversation. In fact, I wish we had the sh- whole show dedicated to this um, topic. I have Mrs. Bronya Schaffer in the studio. She's in South Africa. She gave an incredible talk on the grief that dare not speak its name. Mourning the living, a talk um, with Mrs. Bronya Schaffer. Um, and Bronya, just how difficult this this discussion can be. Um, I, I wanted to just say very briefly that we were talking about organ donation. You know, it's something mm-hmm. I talk about and yeah. we think about and I know that within the Jewish religion. Yeah. And and someone said to me, because I was having a discussion mm-hmm. with my friends and a friend said to me, but why would you, why would you even discuss this with your children? Why would you even <laughs> ask that? Well, and I can I, answer that. Yes, why? please. I have. I, I did and I have. Uh, um, there's, there's a lot of, um, mystery and myth around organ donation, Jewish organ donation. And I would encourage everybody to do the research. There's a website called Hodes Halachic Organ Donation Society. Mm, fabulous. There's a lot of information there. Um, discuss it with people who are experts in Jewish law and the med- and medical technology because when people ask, are Jews allowed to donate organs? The answer almost always um the the misconceived answer is no. The mm-hmm. truth is the answer is yes, but mm-hmm. it's yes, but under halachic auspices. Right. So it has to be under halachic supervision. Um, but it's not true that Jews cannot donate organs. Certainly, live donation. And I wish I had another five hours to talk about kidney donation because I would exhort and encourage everyone who's healthy to to do uh, something to like donate that. a kidney. Really, yes, amazing. Yes. Do the research. It's it's almost risk free today, and every day people die for lack of a kidney, mm-hmm. and healthy people can mm-hmm. can donate a kidney and save a life. But even after death donation, as well, and that gets personal. Um, the discussion is important and depends on how someone feels. Mm. Um, and the first, um, the first step, I guess, would be to just inform yourself, educate yourself about the halachic issues and uh, what the possibilities are. Mm. Ronya, I wish we had discussion. more time. I, it's been As so I. fascinating. Um, we, I feel yeah. like we've really just dipped in. Um, just dipped in. I hope we can have more conversations. Come visit Absolutely. us again soon. I will. Thank 
Thank you. But thank you for starting this conversation, and hopefully we can continue having these conversations on this show. Now it's out there. It's out there. This is a radio show. Indeed it is. It's in the ether. It's in the mind hearts. So the conversation is going. Oh, Bronya, thank you very much. Bronya Schaffer on 101.9 Chai FM. Lovely having you in safe travel back to New York. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. Thank you for staying with us. The DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination on 101.9 Chai FM. I hope you enjoyed that uh, brief uh, interview that I had with Bronya Schaffer, um, who spoke about grief that dare not speak its name, mourning the living. And we spoke about quite a few issues. Um, so I'm so delighted to be able to carry on with the conversation with Leonard Carr, who is a clinical psychologist. He's in private practice as a psychotherapist, and he's also an organizational development consultant and an expert witness and coach. We've had Leonard on the show numerous times. It is always a pleasure and it's always a delight to pick Leonard's brain and sometimes just to listen to the wonderful words that come out of his mouth. But what I do want to say is that if you would like to continue with this topic and ask Leonard if you are struggling with any issues pertaining to this particular subject, please feel free to give us a call in the studio. The number is 0101 1403020 again 0101403020 or you can sms us 34519 34519 Leonard hi hi Nikki thank you for inviting me welcome back <laughs> thank you you're a busy man <laughs> yeah Always doing incredible things. Thank you. And we were talking because just as I was saying goodbye to Bronya Schaffer, we spoke very, very briefly about organ transplanting. You said that you're doing quite a bit with the Donnie Gordon and and just also working in in that department and that it's a growing – growing in South Africa, which is good. I think it's something that people need to understand and and certainly understand their own position on it. Because it's something that can contribute to helping to save lives, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So I think people sometimes have a blanket attitude of um, not wanting to go there. Yeah. But I think people should consider it. Uh, yeah. I listen, I've tried to talk about it many yeah. times on the show and I'll continue to do it. Continue, continue. Because what it really ultimately means is an ending of a life and a saving of a life. Yeah. And when we come to ending of life, you know, we don't want to go there. In the West, for some reason, we, as we're born, we know for certain that we are going to be dying, but death kind of hovers in the corner. Yeah. The death is the, the death is the uninvited friend. Yeah. It's the awful mother-in-law or father-in-law or daughter or son-in-law, whatever yeah. it is, you know, not invited to the Shabbos table. <laughs> right. But we know that they're lurking. Right. In in the distance. So it was wonderful with Bronya talking about an an anticipatory grief. That's what she called it, anticipatory grief. And she broke it down. So we spoke about the diagnosis. Um, I've had these incredible warriors who are so positive and they really are warriors in every sense of the word. But to get to the point, Leonard, when you have exhausted all of the treatment and the, the cancer has moved to the final stages and then it's palliative care. And, you know, that anticipatory grief, the conversations that you have, what conversations should you be having? And is there any guideline? Is there, it's such a gray, as I said, it's this gray area. Is there something we can hold on to, Leonard? Is there something that can help us? And I I always seem to be bringing in and having this conversation with you time and time again. But, but again, we need to talk about it. Yeah. 
I think the confusion that people have is that they think that preparing for a loss is, in a sense, being negative and giving up hope. But there's such a thing as hoping for the... I think the, that's so important what you've right. just said. So, so there's, a, there's a huge difference between hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. Um, obviously, it's important for everybody to retain hope. Because hope is what keeps people fighting. Hope is what keeps people investing in life. It's not good to take a line of least resistance attitude and just give up. On the other hand, hope can easily tip into denial. Um, you know, there's uh, one doesn't have to be crazy to be a little bit delusional. And um, there's a very thin line between being, you know, very optimistic and Pollyanna and unrealistically optimistic and, and hope and denial. You know, hope doesn't necessarily mean that I'm confident that everything is going to turn out the way I want it to turn out. Um, that, that's not even emuna, you know, belief and, and, and trust in Hashem means that you hope that whatever the outcome will be will ultimately in the big picture be in everybody's best interest but it doesn't always mean it's going to be a happy outcome um, so one has to be realistic and prepare but at the same time hold on to hope and, and preparing is really like a rehearsal um, it's going through one's mind and practicing going through the experience and how you would cope when the experience happens Practicing. Practice, rehearsing. Uh-huh. And that mental rehearsal is a very, very important mechanism that we have. What do you mean by mental rehearsal? In other words, if, you, if you're saying this person's never going to die, which is, I mean, we all are one day. So it's not even a realistic statement. You don't have to say, well, I think this person's going to die when the doctor said, because people don't, I don't believe in taking doctor's words too, well, no. too time literally. Time, we hear too many too stories many. where people have beat thoughts. Far thoughts. too many. Far too But nevertheless, if you picture, so what will happen, can I imagine my life without this person? And if you start to allow yourself that pain, then while the person is still alive and before you hit with that tsunami that happens when the actual bereavement happens, if you can start picturing going through it and experiencing the sadness and experiencing exactly what the loss is going to mean. And also realizing that the mere fact that you're having this conversation with yourself means that the lo- that loss has already occurred. And the loss that's occurred is the knowledge that life will never be the same again. So the loss of your life as you knew it has already occurred by virtue of the fact that you're in this situation thinking about grief in the first place. Mm. I think people, you know... To accept it, I think it's the acceptance. Um, you, you know, you talk about hope and then and then accepting a, a, a particular outcome. So, if you start mentally practicing that someone is no longer going to be there, does that mean you? Oh, you are giving up hope. Does that mean that you? No, it's not. How, how it's, do you have not. hope? And how do you have hope? And yet, have these mental practices at the same time. So and we have prepare to, we, yourself. We have to learn to live in. A world that's not either or. It's either this or it's that. It's both. Both realities okay. exist simultaneously. Okay. 
there's the reality of my hope and the reality of the loss. You know, there's a question in in Jewish law, in halacha, when someone dies and leaves you a lot of money, there are two brochas that you have to say. The one brocha is on the death, Baruch Dayan Ha'emet, blessed is the true judge. And the other is a brocha to express thanks for the for the windfall that you've just had. Mm-hmm. And there's a question about which one you say first. Um, and that, you know, that that's a, a beautiful metaphor. It is. Because when you've loved someone and when you've had a great relationship with someone, you are bereft when they go, but there's also a tremendous sense of gratitude and a sense of having be- been bequeathed this wonderful experience and this wonderful relationship. And again, those two realities exist side by side. And in fact, in Judaism, we mourn through remembering the gratitude. We don't mourn by focusing on the loss. We mourn by focusing on what we had, uh-huh. which implicitly helps us to understand the loss. You can't really understand your loss if you haven't fully understood what you had. And so we have to learn to live in, in this dual reality. And um, and that's the way to keep ourselves sane and, and optimistic in life because we have to realize that all our losses – have gains attached to them, mm-hmm. and everything we gain also has losses attached to it. Let's take a break. Um, after the break, I want to ask you, um, it's still it's attached to the hope, because you said it's not either or, it's the and, um, but it's not superstitious. It's kind of like, you know, if I think something, it's going to happen. Like if right. I think you're going to die, then you are going to die. Right. The treatment's not going to work. Right. Um, if I accept that there could be death, then it means um, I'm not supportive or it could right. mean. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. It's, um, it's, it's the inner three-year-old that still inner, believes in, in magical thinking, yes. which we can discuss. Let's go to the inner three-year-old. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is LifeLinks with a DL Link. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. I'm Nikki Seberini, and um, what an interesting conversation we are having with Leonard Carr. The lines are open, 010-140-3020. If you have a question or if you'd like to contribute to the conversation, you can SMS us 34519, 34519. Just before the break, Leonard, we were talking about the inner three-year-old, um, yes. you know, holding on that if I accept it, if I accept that you're going to die or that the treatment's not going to work or I'm responsible or if I stop believing in positive things then you are going to die it's like i hold this this incredible power let's let's talk to that because we could talk about it being the inner three-year-old but i can relate to that right so if you think about it an infant lives in a world of magic because it doesn't have language it can't understand causal relationships so the infant cries when it's hungry and the next thing um food appears and the infant's fed so in the infant's mind its own wish has just brought out that fulfillment out of the ether. Can't think that I've got a mother who has a will of her own, blah, blah, blah. So we retain that magical thinking right into childhood. And so children believe that their thoughts can affect things. And so what we retain in ourselves, that translates into superstition. So when someone's really ill, there might be a part of you that is hoping they will die. Number one, so that you can get out of your pain of watching them deteriorate. And number two, so that 
they can be relieved from their pain mm. and the indignity that they're going through. Mm. But often people don't want to admit that wish to themselves. So they keep it below the surface or unconscious. And then when the person dies, that little child in you that believes in magical thinking believes that your wish brought about the person's death. And that's why people feel guilty after someone died um, and often don't realize why. And children certainly feel guilty after a death for that reason hmm. because we all know that little toddlers will say, I hate you, I wish you would die. Hmm. Um, and then if, God forbid, it happens, they they somehow make the connection that they caused it. And so people become very, very fearful about anything that they think or wish or do or say is somehow going to hasten the, the, the other person's death. And one has to realize that that is just a primitive, um, you know, residue from childhood mm, mm. and not, not a reality. Mm. If we had to look at – if we had to change the way we live our lives, our relationship with death, invite him or her or whatever it is out from the corner to the table – and we all lived in the West because I, I do believe that in other cultures it is different. And we live with the absolute, very conscious knowledge that every moment could be our last. So it's, you're not in a mindset of, oh, this could be my last, but this could be my last. Let me take everything right. in that I possibly can. Right. So when you live very aware of death, life becomes so much more colorful. Life becomes um, um, something to really be cherished and filled. Um, because when you don't, you you can take really everything for, Abs- for, for granted. Absolutely. I mean, that would be the danger of living forever because people would accomplish Nothing. Absolutely. And so, so often they talk about a gift and, and I really use this word. It's not my word. I, I can only quote what so many warriors, the word that many warriors have used about a gift because it has awakened them to the beauty of life. Yeah. Um, to the, and also realizations that maybe altercations that they've had with people, is it worth the, the altercation? Knowing that the time with that person, that loved one or a friend, whoever it is, could be shortened and, and, and it changes everything. So why can't we live like that every day, Leonard? Why, why do we have to think of death as something we don't want to go to instead of bringing it into our lives? Not because we want to die, but because we want to live more fully. Because I think we live in a very materialistic age Mm -hmm. where people believe that they can have everything. They can be anything they want. They can have anything they want. And, you you know, if you look at how much money goes into life prolonging products or or what people believe are life prolonging products. And, um, you know, I always think that most supplements are hope sold in a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> different, different flavors. I've got so of, much hope different in my, flavors in my of bathroom. hope. <laughs> you know, and creams and 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 surgery and whatever yeah. it is to try and prolong youth. Mm. Um, and 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 that belief, if you extend it, means I don't have to deal with unfinished business. I don't have to be careful because I'm never going to lose. I'm always going to win in the end. And uh, you know, being aware of death is really being aware of of the fragility and and our vulnerability in life. Um, And that means, you know, on a simple level, just not creating unfinished business and not investing energy in anything that can't be written on your tombstone one day. You know, I always find it very sobering to walk through the cemetery and just read tombstones and think, you know, it never has a bank balance on it Mm. or a balance sheet, Mm. you know. Mm. Um, I always find it amusing when people put their titles 
the person's title on, on a tombstone. Because I think, what does it matter now? No one cares. No one knows. You know, what matters is those little statements mm. about what you meant to others, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. And if that guided people, then we'd live a whole lot differently. Uh, we would live so differently. We, you know, we everything would be put into perspective. Let's take a break. Another ad break. Wow, so many. Um, just before we do go to the ad break, I just want to. This is for moms out there. I mean, Lena just spoke a little while ago about babies crying and being fed, but really, it's no, it's no joke when your baby cries a lot. Um, and if your little one is suffering from dry skin and nappy rash, and especially now that we're going into winter and there's soap allergies or a stuffy nose. The Bennett's Baby Range has the solution really that you're looking for because there's Bennett's Moisturizing Cream, there's Bath and Massage Drops, there's Bum Cream, um, there's the Bennett's Saline Nose Spray. The entire range has been created very specifically to give your child the best possible um, um, outcome in terms of all of these problems. So for more information about the range, please go to www.bennettsforbabies.co.za or you can email um, Bennett's directly, info at Bennett's, and it's a, a, a double N and a double T, bennettsforbabies.co.za. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Thank you for staying with us, the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Lena, just off air, I was saying, um, you know, I'm a great follower of Byron Katie, and it's, again, death, it's not easy. And Byron Katie says, you know, when you think of someone who has passed, they will always live in your mind. They will always be alive in your mind. Even if you're sitting here and you're thinking about a person, your wife, for example, right now, she's not with you. She's in another room. You, she, she's not with you. If someone has passed, they're not with you. You could imagine that they're in another room. And I suppose where it's hard is what you've said is all the, how your life changes because you're not going to have the future with them. But, but think about that, the thought because they will, they will always be alive in your mind. Well, actually, take your analogy. Um, you know, in Jewish law, if someone's parent has died, you're under no obligation to tell them because there are issues with breaking bad news. And, you know, if someone's ill, for example, you can't tell them bad news um, because it could you know, harm them, whatever, mm-hmm. give someone a shock. And so someone can be literally dead and you don't know that they're dead and then you don't, you don't mourn. Yeah. You know, so it's still very much alive in your mind. So, so if if you think about it, knowing that they're physically not there shouldn't change the relationship in any way. Sure. But this really goes back to attachment theory because a person who's experienced healthy attachment is able to hold their loved ones in their heart and the the love of those people is a reality for them. Mm -hmm. Whereas a person has insecure attachments and never learned to hold someone in their heart, needs the physical presence of the person to make them feel that the person's still there, to give them the security. Hmm. We also spoke about the anticipatory grief. Grief, yeah. Um, how you can be mourning someone and they, they're still alive. Right. And, and, and similarly, you know, someone can be alive and dead to you. Mm-hmm. So it's really the relationship in your heart mm. that determines whether you're, someone is alive to you or not. Not their physical presence. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating, Leonard. Thank you. It was so lovely pleasure. having you on the show. A pleasure. Looking forward to you joining us again. Anytime. Um, you know, we can just continue with this conversation and also that um, 
Always, I'm going to push it. Always, always, always. Organ donation, opening your mind, um, and and starting to investigate and think about how many lives could be saved every single day if you just donate your healthy organ. Simple as that. Just uh, three minutes away from one o'clock. Thanks, Leonard. It's been a pleasure, and thank you so much for tuning in. As always, it is a delight to be in your company. I look forward to being with you same time next week. For me, Nikki Seberini. Until then. Goodbye.